Hey guys, welcome to the Behoning Soul Podcast. Uh, thank you for joining me again. Um, this episode, I have got a guest, uh, another one from northern Minnesota. It seems like I got a lot of guests from from Minnesota. That's really not by design. Um, it just happens to be the people I follow on Instagram and, and Facebook and, and things like that. So uh, it's a guy by the name of DJ Jones. Now, uh, DJ is from, um, well, he lives in Duluth. He hunts up north. And uh, he is originally from Florida. This is a guy who grew up hunting, grew up in a hunting family, pretty you know rich tradition in, in, in his family. He moved to uh, Minnesota to play football for the U of M. And uh, this is back, I, I believe, I think he said it's in uh, 2012. Sorry, it's been a couple of weeks since we recorded this this podcast. I, I, I do it every uh, every two weeks, you guys know. So, um, but anyway, he um, he came up for uh, for school. And he ended up staying because uh, he liked the you know the, the bigger deer up here I guess so. Um, DJ is a really really passionate hunter. Uh, he's a compound guy. He hunts uh, he hunts uh, both private and public. Uh, we talk about you know some of his um, uh, places that he hunts and, and and how he leases them and things like that. But he also does a, you know some some hunting on public land over and you know just over the border literally in, in Wisconsin and stuff. And um, we get into a whole bunch of stuff, really, kind of his history, um, his, uh, his his passions for for, uh, for hunting in general, you know. But uh, for bow hunting, we even talk, we even dabble a little bit into, in, into um, ice fishing and, uh, and and things like that. So it gets gets a little funny. Um, he, like I said, is is a pretty passionate hunter. Um, he has, you know, he's he's one of these guys that uh, is kind of sets his sights on one or two animals and he he goes after them i've been following his pursuit of a couple deer here this year that we talk about one of them he calls mr nine and the other one he calls uh, eight or big eight i can't remember but uh these are pretty nice deer he's actually sent me some videos and clips and he shares them on uh, instagram as well so um you know very 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 cool very very dedicated um he's uh you know unwavering in his desire to, to, to go after these, uh, to go after these animals. And, and he does, he does what he can. So, uh, anyway, very, very cool conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it. And like I said, most of the time, you know, we, we have, um, you know, uh, tr traditional guys on, on, on this podcast. And uh, near the end of this end of this podcast, I, I make a comment, and I hope that resonates with people uh, in today's day and age. That you know, we have an entire you know hour, hour and fifteen minute conversation or something like that, and um, we don't even really talk about equipment. You know, we don't talk about the fact that he you know he he, he shoots a compound or you know what what brands you know he he tries to you know to to rep and things like that. Um, it was just it was just we just two guys talking hunting and hunting strategies and and, and the passion uh, for it so I think we I think we need a little bit a uh, little bit more of that regardless of, of what your weapon is so anyway uh, with that said I'm recording this the second week I guess of November the rut is in full swing uh, I just got home from a, uh, a work trip I don't know when I'm gonna be able to get back out in the field again honestly it's been about three weeks um, since I've set foot in the woods and uh, I'm really, really living vicariously through you guys. By uh, the time this publishes, nope, it's going to publish tomorrow actually. So uh, I might be able to get out for you know a day of rifle season here this coming weekend, but I'm really not sure. That's still kind of up in the air. And then after that, who knows? Um, you know, I, I have till the end of December, but uh, my schedule just may not allow any of that. You know, with 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 work and family. I know I keep saying that. You guys are tired of hearing about it, but anyway. Um, I want to uh, thank you guys for your continued support. 
definitely go check out you know the, the Teespring site. Um, actually, just go to Instagram and go go look in the link in, in what it says link in bio. Go look in the bio, and everything's there. The YouTube channel, the Teespring site for T-shirts. Uh, those are great ideas, by the way, for uh, Christmas coming up. Uh, you know, if if you if you want to buy a T-shirt for yourself or, or, the, or the hunter, archer, or whatever in your life, then um, you know, I've got some T-shirts out there, long sleeve, short sleeve, that kind of stuff. So uh, that's that's really it. I really appreciate the support. I really appreciate you guys uh, checking out the YouTube stuff and following the uh, the links in the descriptions to go, uh, you know, for for Amazon and stuff like that. That does support uh, support you know this podcast and everything else. You know, very small, but it, it, it's again, it's greatly appreciated. So anyway, hope you guys is um, uh, rutcations. Uh, are in full swing by the time this publishes. I hope you guys are being successful and, uh, and having fun out in the woods. And uh, anyway, without any further ado, here is my interview with DJ Jones. There we go. Yeah, I just got this video that you sent yeah. me. Good Lord, that's a nice deer. Too bad it's walking away from you, but that's a nice deer. <laughs> well, the, the thing is with, with him, like, you know... Um... It's just, I'm playing a very, very, very delicate game there with uh, two shooters on the same property within a 33-acre piece of property, a 60-acre piece of property, and then a 10-acre piece of property. And right now, both of those deer, from what I believe, are betting on the 60-acre piece of property and then working their way over off onto that field like the video I just showed you, so... I'm going to try to see if I can't slip in and, and get the nod and get permission and try to set up on that tree line tomorrow evening. And maybe go in for the kill if I can get lucky. This is for uh, the one you're calling, was it Mr. Nine, right? Yes, yes, that's him. It's one for Mr. Nine. Man, that's a nice deer. So yeah. we're, we're, we're talking with DJ Jones, by the way. Well, welcome, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm doing good. Yeah, so... As with pretty much, you know, most people I have on here, I, I, I follow you on Instagram and stuff. And uh, you are, I don't know that you're local because I'm like southwest of the cities, you know, but okay. you're, a Minis- you're a Minnesota guy, right? I'm originally from Callahan, Florida, but I relocated to Minnesota back in 2012 when I came up to play college football. And I've been here ever since. What kept you here? The awesome uh, winners? Well, the winters, <laughs> the whiskey, uh, and the whitetails. I, I'd say I have to say the whitetails for sure. But uh, yeah, yeah, just uh, just basically just branching out on my own and creating my own legacy here in Minnesota. That's awesome. Um, I see, I see pictures of you. Um, I'm guessing you're in construction, right? Because you're always like uh, posting pictures of you like in some high rise. No, that... no, no, no. no. No, no, I work for uh, I work for Essential Health up in Duluth, and I always take pictures when I go through the Skywalk. Oh, okay, okay. I thought you were like, you know, for some reason I had images of like, you know, like the old timey photos of guys yeah. like sitting on a beam with a lunch pail. Yeah, no, it's uh, <laughs> in some New York skyscraper. No, those I'm like those that's what this guy are, does. Uh, those guys are way tougher than me, you know. Oh hell no, I can't even look not- at those. Without yeah. my gut, my gut dropping, man. Yeah, that's uh, cool. So, so what, so what do you, what do you do then? Say that again. I work at Essential Health up in uh in Duluth, and I never always tell people what I do because then whenever I tell people what I do, they want to ask like all sorts of questions. So I just tell people that I work at Essential Health. That's always been the best policy for me. There you go. Yeah, 
I, I, I kind of do the same thing um, where like I, I work for a race team, right? Yep. And it's it's not it's not what people think it is. Exactly. It's just it's just a lot of heavy lifting, um, a lot of long hours and heavy people. People think it's like pit stops and like revving motors, right? But yeah. that is like such a small. Uh, we don't even do pit stops. The what 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 normally what we do. So yeah. when so the typical elevator speech or like a party speech if I'm somewhere and I don't want to interact with everybody, which is pretty much most of the time, you yeah. know. And <laughs> I'll just say I, I'm a mechanic. And then that's about yeah. as boring. No, no offense to any mechanics. Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm saying this as as a form of like reverence, right? And I just have a mechanic. And then that pretty much kind of cuts the conversation right there. If you type in, if you, if you type in, if you say anything that has to do with race, then here comes the 50 questions, and you got to explain to people what you do, and uh, and it's just like I just don't want to go there. So I 100 percent, 100 percent understand. So you um. You grew up. You grew up in Florida, right? How, um, you said you came out here to play, like, as a college, what, college football, or? Yeah, uh, I played junior college football at Fond du Lac Tribal and Community College, and then I transferred over to the University of Minnesota Duluth. And those were years 2012 through 2015. Okay. So that's back when uh, football was life. Football was life. Did you um, did did you grow up? Um, well, I, I'm guessing you did, right? Did you grow up? Um, playing sports and stuff like that in Florida as well? Or is, is that something that you just dove into in high school? Well, I played sports my entire life. Um, I used to play, I used to play baseball, basketball, and football, but I gave up baseball because it was getting to my hunting time. And I gave up basketball because it was kind of getting to my hunting time as well. So the only true passion that I kept really throughout the years mostly was, uh, was football because I could play football, on Thursday nights when I was on JV, Friday nights when I was on varsity, and in middle school we played Pop Warner ball. So Saturdays, but we were generally done by one o'clock, maybe two o'clock, and you can go out and hunt for the rest of the evening if you get lucky. If you didn't have to drive too far away and hunt on Sunday, so yeah, I, I'm glad you said that because when when anyone talks about um, their other passion being like sports or if they're in college sports or whatever. You, you typically hear, or even in high school, you know, you typically hear the clash of uh, the calendars, you know, yeah. the, the the time constraints between football and hunting, you know, and there's so many guys who are like, man, I, you know, I gave up football because I wanted to go hunting, you know, it's more important kind of thing. So, but you found yeah. time to do, you found time to do both. Did you, um, did you grow up in a hunting family in, in, in Florida before, um, you know, or what age did you get into it, I guess? Well, I, I grew up, my family, we're basically, you know, all outdoors men and women. Uh, my great-grandmother had seven kids, so she had five boys, two girls, and all of them can actually fish and hunt, believe, believe it or not, and That's farm. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's like hunting and fishing for me, it was, it was very normal. It, it, would, it would have been harder for me to grow up not knowing how to hunt and fish, being that for as long as I can remember, that's all we did was hunt and fish. Like, you know, we get used to waking up during the summer trying to see when we can go fishing. And the minute it starts getting, you know, rifle season when we're big enough to go out. Because I did a lot of deer dog hunting growing up as well in my youth days over in uh, southeast Georgia and northeast Florida where I grew mm -hmm. up at. And I went deer dog hunt with my uncle and my dad would take me what they would call steel hunting. And... That's basically where my passion for hunting came in at, you know, between the two styles of hunting with my dad and with my uncle. And uh, bow hunting to me has probably been 
the most fun out of all of the various styles of hunting that I've had the pleasure of doing, you know, my entire life. And I love it. I wish I could do it all year round. Sometimes it makes me miss being down in Florida because you can actually hunt, you know, wild hogs. So mm-hmm. the minute deer season ends, you can still go out into the woods, you know, put some corn out, try to get a hog or hunt something in general. And being up here in Minnesota, you know, I, I kind of tell people I go through deer pressure. is what i like to say because you know i can't go out and hunt it's you know 10 below 12 below you got 20 mile an hour winds the snow's up to four feet high in some places and i'm a short guy i'm like five nine and a half on a good day depends if i got my boots on or not but if you consider that short i'm five eight so (laughs) yeah yeah but it's just one of those things where it's like you know I've always enjoyed hunting and fishing and and just being a Florida boy, you know, when it's time to go fishing, you know, we go fishing all we can. And then when it's time to go hunting, you know, we hunt as much as we can because, you know, between the two sports, you know, down South, you can fish all year. You can't hunt all year for deer. You know what I mean? So it's like, there's a specific species that you're looking for, you know, unless you're hunting wild hogs, you can't hunt all year. So I've struggled with that my first few years here in Minnesota because it was one of those things where I had 18 years of being able to go fishing almost whenever I wanted to, regardless of the weather and hunting. And boy, was I in for a rude awakening here. When I got to college, I got acclimated with my college football schedule, you know, study hall, games on the weekends and then I could finally hunt, you know, once every two weeks or, or three weeks or something like that. Not having a car. It was just like, mm. it was, it was, a, it was a bit of a struggle at first trying to, to get acclimated to the college life and stuff like that. And then I was able to get out and get a job full time and was able to start hunting a little bit more places. And I finally got my first harvest in Minnesota in 2016 and things have been going up since there, I guess. Yeah. Uh, do you just a little side tangent here? I mean, you're, you're sounds like you're a big fisherman too. So did, did you ever get into the, um, the ice fishing thing too, to, to kind of get through the winter, winter doldrums until turkey season or, or no? I've went ice fishing a handful of times. I have a love hate relationship with ice fishing. Um, I love being able to go outside, but I hate it because it's so cold. And I always tell people, <laughs> There's a few things I would risk my body for in the cold. That's a white-tailed deer, an elk, or a white-tailed deer, or a mule deer. Some form of it being a deer. Like, I, I tried to mentally prepare myself for sitting out in the cold for hours trying to catch fish on a big block of ice while the wind is going. doesn't matter if you're in a pop-up or not, or you're in a fish house or not. Like, it's hard for me to get myself to sit still long enough. And then if I have to move and relocate, you have to get up, drill another hole, drag all the equipment along with you, drop down the Vexlar, see what's down there, jig a few times, nothing there, pull all of it back up and repeat that process. Meanwhile, you're trying to keep your fingers from being frozen. You're trying not to catch frostbite, but some people get out, you know, they have, they have a few uh, bush lattes and, and they mm-hmm. do it which I've seen people do that. And I always tell myself every year I'm going to actually seriously give ice fishing a try. I tell myself I'm going to go to L&M. I'm going to get some equipment and I'm going to go out. I'm going to give it a try. 
And I never do because I just go outside and I realize, like, you know what? I think I'm just going to go shoot my bow at the range. I think I'm going to go to the gym and do some kickboxing or some jujitsu or something like that. So that, that is always, like, other things that keep me busy in the spring, too, besides, you know, like having the kids and whatnot. Right, right. Um, yeah, you know, I, I've I've said this before, but, you know, like, friend, friends, like, I've never been ice fishing. Okay. Yeah. And I've lived in Minnesota since 2002, basically. And friends try to get me out, and I'm not a big fan of water anyway, right? I mean, I can swim yeah. just fine. I could do, but I mean, I, I have this this kind of like this fear of water, right? Um, shit can go wrong. You know what I mean? Like, and especially, and I'm like, there's, I'm not getting out on a frozen puddle of death. I'm not doing it, you know. And and I know it's mostly safe. I know all that stuff. And they're like, Oh no, come on. You know, those four feet of ice or whatever. I like, I don't care, you know, cause then I hear all the stories of, you know, people that up like, you know, that you, are you up near Duluth or, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just South of Duluth, maybe 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes in the, in Cloquet. Okay. So when I hear stories of people that live up there and they're, and they hear like the creaking and groaning of like, you know, the, the great lakes or like big giant bodies of water, I'm like, that shit is moving. I am not, no, I'm not getting out. I, you know, I, I, I don't like, I, I like fishing enough, you know, to get out a few times in the spring, mostly with my daughter, you know, just in like literally like we're, she's good. For, no, she's eight. She's good for about a half an hour of, of, of yeah. catching sunnies and stuff. And then I'm good. I'm not that big of a fisherman. You know what I mean? So if like I gave up fishing, I'd be fine. So, but a long time ago, um, somebody told me that there's a difference between fishing and fish in, right? When you're fishing and you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you're fishing, you're actually like, you know, you're serious about it. You're really, you know, you're trying to catch whatever you're trying to catch and, and whatever. When you're fishing, this is when like the bush lattes and the, and the ice house <laughs> comes in, right? Yeah, so I don't really have that. a desire to do either one, either one of them that much. If we get to go hang out, cause I guess it's kind of like, you know, the ice, I, you know, fishing version of deer camp almost, you know what I mean? Yeah. But eh, eh, I, can, I can skip it. I, I like, I'm like you, I can, um, you know, I like small game hunting. I could small game hunt all the way through the end of February here. Right. Um, yeah. so I can get up, walk around, even when it's butt ass cold, it's like, you're still moving around and, and being outside, but when your hand, cause I like the bow hunt for squirrels and small game and stuff too, you know? So I, 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 I decline invitations for ice fishing every year. And I, I, I just, you know, it's one of those things where, I know you said you're going to give it like a hard effort. I, I just don't, don't have a desire to even just, just try it once. Like, nope, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good, you know? <laughs> yeah, I tell myself every year, you know what? I'm going to go hard this year, ice fishing. Never do. And then I get my mystery tackle box, you know, ice subscriptions. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get out and try these baits. And it's like, uh, am I really? Or am I just going to let these bad boys just keep stacking up until it's, uh, the ice is almost over, and I'm going to try to somewhat make an effort because it's somewhat tolerable, and it's over two degrees, three degrees outside. Mm -hmm. But um, much like you, you know, I, I turn down offers all the time to go ice fishing, but it's like for me, I'm used to living in Florida where I've had open water my entire life. The fact that I can even walk out on some nice hard ice and fish to me is somewhat amazing. But it's almost somewhat terrifying uh -huh. because it's like, it's almost like what you say is like, you know, am I going to fall in? Is something going to happen? 
what is that sound? Why is the ice creaking under me walking on the ice right now? Like, what is going on? Like, what is, like, yeah. I have all these questions like a little kid. It's like, I'm a grown-ass man, like, feeling like I'm getting ready to die because I'm walking out on the ice while I'm watching people drive freaking dump trucks across the ice and they're snowmobiling and driving ATVs and full-size pickups on the ice. And I mm-hmm. think that me being 170 pounds on a good day walking on the ice, I'm supposed to fall through. Yeah, but, uh, illogical, but you're still not going to convince me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, like, I um, saw I saw a guy like several years ago, maybe like five, six years ago. There's there's like a little lake right kind of n- nearby, like like you know half a mile away or whatever, and people fish on it. And there's this guy, and this was like into, I'm gonna say into March maybe, you know, and it would it was starting to warm up a little bit, and you know most sane people aren't out there anymore. At least they're like you know. 20 30 yards from shore that they walked on but there was a guy and this that that drove on there and i remember kind of driving driving by i was kind of coming home from where i was going somewhere or whatever i'm looking at this guy and he's got this old k5 blazer and the the top of the the, 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 it's so slushy on top of this lake that I can't see the bottoms of his tires. Like I like it's, it's halfway up the rim, like the black part of the tire, you oh, know, yeah. that's that's on, on the bottom part. I couldn't see the black anymore. I could see the rim and I could see the rest of the tire. And I'm like, that dude is driving through like three, four inches of slush on top of, you know, a lake. Like, what are you? Yeah. You know what? Like, no way. <laughs> and every year it never fails. I don't know about you, but I'm a part of some of these. Uh, minnesota fishing pages oh yeah every year there's always pictures of some nice 2018 2019 some brand new truck just freaking just nose down in the ice all the way back up to the rear passenger doors or whatnot i just think about myself i'm like this is why you can't pay me to drive my truck out on the ice like you see you see pictures of this stuff all the time every single winter and it's always during early ice, and then whenever the ice is almost gone, like you say in the spring, and you always see people that you know try to push it a little bit too hard, or who don't know how to pull off the ice when they're supposed to, and then you just see stuff like that that happens. And you know, luckily they're always safe, but at the same time, it's like you know, it can be very dangerous. You know, things accidents have happened before out on the ice, but. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. So, all right, enough talk about ice fishing, right? That's about as much ice fishing as talk for the year that I ever wanted yeah, to get into. Yeah, yeah, I'm good for you myself, too. So, okay, um, how old were you when you when you first, like, what was your first animal that, that you shot? Was it a deer? Was it a small game? Uh, it was a gray squirrel. I had a cool. New England-style 410 that my uncle had got me for Christmas back in the day, and I still have it. Like a break open single shot kind of thing. Yep. Nice. Yeah. It, yeah. Was, uh, it was pretty sweet. Um, he got it for me. I think my dad brought it home to me and gave it to me and gave me some bird shots. We were in the backyard, and we're in the city limits of Florida, by the way. So it's like our family had a big yard, quote unquote, because um, we own like I think a total of maybe four acres. So. We had a pretty decent amount of woods and we had a pretty decent amount of hardwoods around, but we're still within the city limits. You're not supposed to, you know, use firearms within the city, mm-hmm. within the city limits. And I just, my dad getting that to me and he gave me some bird shots and was like, well, come on, let's go out in the yard and try to shoot it once or twice. And 
I instantly get in the backyard, and there's always this one oak tree that's directly to the left of the house where the squirrels always love to sit and eat acorns. And I looked up, and sure as crap, there was one of the first squirrels coming down the tree making noise at me, and I waited for him to curl up, and I dropped him. And then uh, I had an old bloodhound named Strike. I had him from first grade all the way until my junior year of high school. And that squirrel hit the ground, and my dog Strike was all over him. So I had to, you know, try to get him out of way, get him away from him. And I think my dad has a picture of it. I may even have a picture of it uh, on my Instagram account. Me in the back of Dad's Chevy pickup, holding that squirrel in my camo. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, in the backyard. I think I do. I'm almost 100% positive that I do. But yeah, that was my first squirrel. I dropped him in the backyard with a 410 New England style Winchester. Dude, I love uh, I, I love squirrel hunting. You know, um, many many a time, my deer hunt turns into a squirrel hunt if they happen to you know if I'm sitting there and because I've always got some like you know um, like small game tips with me too. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I I, I get distracted very very easily with uh, with with the squirrels. Um, so w- when did you shoot your first deer? I shot my first deer with a New England style Winchester yet again. 243 of my dad back in Thanksgiving of 2004. I won't forget that because my dad did not want to go hunting. I wanted to go because it was a full moon and he was trying to say that we won't see anything. And we ended up getting out there and ended up having five does step out. And then in Florida, I believe at that time, doe week was always the week of Thanksgiving. It might even still be that way. It was a doe week is always the week of Thanksgiving. And we ended up getting out there. We had five does step out. I wanted to shoot the first one that stepped out. My dad had somehow calmed me down enough to, to, to tell me to wait. There was going to be some more. And we shot the biggest one and uh, brought it home. So that was my first doe back in 2004. Wow. That's Cool. And then have you, have you had six, I mean, have you pretty much had success, uh, you know, like year in, year out or, uh, or how did that go? I mean, how, cause everyone talks about how, especially in Florida, like deer hunting is really, really difficult, you know? And, you know, some, and it, some people make it sound like it's absolutely impossible. And some people are like, Oh no, they're, they're there. And I get the Florida's, you know, a lot bigger than what, what people think. And there's such a, like a diverse, um, uh, um, you know, what am I trying to say? Such diverse um, ecology, you know, from from top to bottom, basically. Yeah. They're completely different states, you know, as, as far as that goes. But um, did, did you guys, like, find there was there, there was lots of deer, uh, you know, where you were? You said you're, like, north Florida, right? Kind of near the Georgia border, I guess? Yeah. Like, we're just, like, the Florida-Georgia line. We're the last city before you get into southeast Georgia which is where I lived at in Hilliard, but I grew up in Callahan. So, um, okay. It was one of those types of things, but you know, specifically in our area, we hunted out in, uh, in Kings Ferry, Florida, the locals call it Lessie or, uh, depends on who you ask Some Some may say Kings Ferry, some may say Lessie, but you know, that's what we always say too. But hunting in Florida, you know, I'm glad I grew up hunting in the area that I did. Because we'd be happy if we saw maybe three deer in an entire weekend of hunting. So the numbers weren't, you know, through the roof. There wasn't a very great, you know, 
doe to buck ratio, so to say, as compared to the plethora of deer that I get to see, you know, now hunting in the Midwest and in Minnesota. So it was very humbling. We would get deer. I'd say probably we would always get something during bow season and we might get one or two extra during rifle and, and muzzleover season. Okay. But um, my dad would probably majority get most of the hunting done because I was always in school and he would go hunting when I was in school sometimes. And I could only go on the weekends. You know, he could go during the weekdays and on the weekends. So he, he could literally go seven days a week if he wanted to go. Oh, nice. Yeah. So we didn't lack thereof when it came down to actually like to having meat. But we, we had some great opportunities down at some great deer down in Florida. And I'd probably say the hardest thing about Florida hunting um, I'd say honestly it w- it would most likely depend on the location to tell you the truth. Um I know in some areas, you know, it, it's very similar to being out in the Midwest. You're gonna see great numbers of deer, but it, it's gonna depend on the pressure. And hunting down south in general, you know, I don't know about some of these other southern states, but you have so many different types of people to come out to hunt. You have your weekenders, you have your hard, your diehard bow hunters, you have your your hunting club guys, you have your hog hunting guys, and the deer are, are basically going to be surrounded by pressure the entire year. Yeah, and human pressure. So the less pressure that you're going to have in certain areas, and it's all and it's always going to depend on your location you'd always have that greater ch- that greater chance and success of seeing deer the less pressure you would have on a piece of property. My family was always lucky because we always had uh, our own private property to hunt. So we could kind of contain the pressure that we would see on our 100 acres as compared to some people who had, you know, maybe 10 or 20 acres and they're surrounded by hunt clubs. Right. Or, you know, Jim Bob and the boys wanting to go out this weekend and go hunting. So, you know, the neighbors are out shooting guns all weekend and decide to go out and, and, and rip their ATVs across the property. So now that's all ruined for like the next, you know, week and a half because that's just how it goes. You know, sometimes you get riffraff, you know, when you're out trying to hunt. And yeah. our property was surrounded by a hunting club. And I want to say it was called... Uh, Racks Hunting Club back in the day, and then I think they they got changed to Two Gate because they got bought out. Because a lot of those companies, what they end up doing is they'll lease property from some of these tree companies, and and that's what they do. The club comes together and they rent you know a few thousand acres here and there, get a few people to pay a few thousand dollars here and there, and you know they hunt that property hard for years or for however long they got that specific piece of property, you know, uh, leased out to the tree companies and uh. We were in a very heavily populated area for hunt clubs. So, mm. so at least you you learned to hunt though. In I, I, do you think that made you a better hunter? You know, because you had so much pressure all around you, and just the difficulty of hunting in Florida in general. The long seasons, like you said, lots of pressure. Um, did, did that did that benefit you in the long run? You think? I think it humbled me as when it comes down to as far as as, as deer numbers. Hunting down in Florida made me a lazy hunter, so to say. 
Um, and I want to say that because in Florida, you can bait all year. Mm. And you can get these deer, you know, to adapt to certain feeding patterns. And you just play it smart, wait for the wind and everything to be right, and you can slip in there and, and hopefully harvest the buck that you want. And the hardest thing for me to do when I got in the Midwest was to not have bait, not play the wind right, and to not know how to break down my areas by habitat and the time of the year. Okay. So I had to basically backtrack everything that I had learned in Florida and start getting on YouTube and looking at things like, you know, like uh, the guys from, from Bow Hunter Die. Mm-hmm the Midwest whitetail guys and, and a few other YouTube hunting groups and, you know, hunting channel shows and stuff like that. And to see how to finally start breaking down areas to see how to break down different types of terrain and, and habitat breaks in order to find deer. And I realized that my college years, uh, 2012 through 15, I was good at finding deer away from the food sources and away from the bedding areas I, I would focus more on trails at that point i wasn't putting two and two together on how to focus on how finding their beds and the food source and the trail so whenever they're supposed to move whenever they have a south wind this is the way they're going to go this is where they're going to be and now after realizing that after getting out of college, I'm able to basically to continue to adapt and continue to grow. So I've been getting better at it each and every year. I won't say I have a handle on it by, <laughs> by any means, because sometimes I still struggle, you know, but I feel like I'm a more complete hunter now than I was when I was down in Florida. And I want to say that's because I was forced to realize that I'm not doing something right. Like, you have to rethink everything that you've done and you're doing. Come up with a plan, figure out how to break down these areas, and start finding the deer. And I started bouncing around a few different areas from away from public land on some of the areas where the deer populations weren't as high. And I ended up starting finding more areas where I could find better deer on public land with less pressure. And then I ended up getting a lease. And harvesting my first deer and still finding good deer on public land. But I just happened to actually see a shooter on the feet on my lease and shoot one. And that's just how it's been going back and forth, you know, since that that first kill I got in 2016 here in Minnesota. Yeah, I, I mean, you pretty much have to learn a completely new method of hunting, right? I mean, it's about 180 degrees different than than yeah, what totally. you know than what you grew up doing so that that's great that you could that you can adapt so you you made a good transition there so it's, it's time to talk talk about minnesota so um you then um obviously after you graduated and stuff you probably had some more free well i mean you had work obviously but you probably your 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 sports life kind of probably um lightened up a little bit and you know you're able to d- devote a little more time to hunting um you mentioned you do both public and and you lease property now. Are, are you leasing here? In, I know you hunt in Wisconsin too. Are you, are you leasing in Minnesota or Wisconsin? I lease in Minnesota. I okay. hunt only public land in Wisconsin. 
Got it. Okay. And then do you hunt any public land here in, in Minnesota too, or just, just concentrate on, on the lease? I have not yet hunted public land yet this year, but I have went in a few different areas scouting on public land mm-hmm. to get kind of familiar with what if I were to actually say, for instance, for me, this this is how I kind of try to like to, to do my hunting and how it's worked best for me. Um, I've realized that I can't blow out my major areas by over hunting them and having deer getting acclimated on where I'm at, what trails I'm taking to get in and get out of my stand. So I kind of try to balance it with hunting public land over in Wisconsin or bouncing around and doing hanging hunt areas in different areas of my lease that I won't be hunting and I don't know what's in the area. Mm-hmm. So for me, lately what I've been seeing, I've been seeing a little bit more of my action over on my lease in Minnesota. But as yesterday happened, I went in on one of those new spots on public land and I actually had an encounter with a shooter on the hoof at 48 yards. So it's like things are heating up on both sides. And I always <laughs> like it. The way I generally do it is whichever spot I'm having the most daylight activity and there are shooters in the area, that's where I want to be. Yeah. How how big is your lease? Uh, my lease in Minnesota is 450 acres. Oh, geez. Okay. So, I mean, damn, it might as well be like public land. I mean, that's a lot of... Uh, you know, that, that's, that's, a, that's enough of an acreage that, I mean, you're, you're still probably having to pick that thing apart, um, terrain wise and, and, and feature wise and, and, you know, food wise, are, are you allowed to do, um, are, are you allowed to do any kind of management on there as far as like food plots or, or habitat improvements, or is it just, you just lease some land and, and you deal with what you got? Well, the, the kind of thing is with, with that type of property that I hunt there. I mean, I tell everybody it's 450 acres because it is 450 acres. But it hunts very small because the deer population isn't the best and there's not a lot of deer maturity because in the zone that I hunt, um, I think I want to say up until 2017, it was bucks only. And mm. It's a lot of rifle hunters in the area. So most hunters around the area here, they'd shoot a one to two year old buck without a doubt because, you know, that's the only thing that they're allowed to shoot because there's no doe tags being given out. Right. Yep. So you're running into the problem where you're not seeing a lot of deer. There isn't a lot of deer. And the bucks that you do see, they're being shot at, you know, being a little four-corned at a year old, being a, a nice eight-point at two years old. And these mature bucks are becoming less and less common to see because mature deer are already going to be that much harder to find. Yet alone, yeah. when you're only shooting these bucks that have the potential to become mature, but they're being harvested at a young age. Yeah, my, uh, my, my buddy's got a place up there in Barnum. Um, I don't know how close you are to Barnum. You said like Cloquette and whatever, Moose Lake, I think up there. Right. Yeah. But, um, so I, I'll go up there like once or twice a year, you know, for, for a day or two, you know, once, yep. once what, for maybe rifle season. And, uh, usually if I can sneak away a day for muzzle loader, basically. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, same, same deal. I think, I think there in the zone that I hunt there, it's like, it's hunter choice. Um, yep. And but, that's, that's the same zone I hunt and it just, it yeah. just got that way not too long ago. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I, I get what you're saying. We have we don't really. I mean, he he still sees some bucks on there, but um, have you have you had any encounters with, with wolves up there? Have have you starting to have you noticed any of them or or, or heard you know? I've I've noticed more wolf problems over in the area that I hunt in uh, Superior, Wisconsin. Okay. I haven't seen it too much here in uh in Minnesota. My lease is in Moose Lake and in Sturgeon Lake. And I haven't really seen much. I, I mean, I found one calf leg, which I know, okay, the wolves obviously done that. I want to say it was either last spring or two springs ago. And that's been about it. I haven't gotten any on trail cameras, and I haven't really seen any on the hoof. But other than that, I haven't really seen them too much of an issue in this area. Now, over in Wisconsin, I've gotten pictures of wolves on my trail cameras just about every year, starting back, going back to 2017 when I started hunting uh, public land in Wisconsin. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you noticed a decline in population, or are they just hunter, Are they just harder to hunt? Uh, the deer? Yeah. I haven't noticed a decline. It's it's almost like it's it's a numbers game. Like you know, you're, you're like in my certain area because my lease is in Moose Lake and in Sturgeon Lake. You're gonna run across maybe ten or fifteen deer before you find maybe one good three year old buck. Mm-hmm. And even then, that three-year-old buck might not even be on your property. He might be on the neighbor's property. The neighbor's yeah. property, so all you can do is look at him. You know what I mean? And my lease is 450 acres. And on that 450 acres, the best part of it and the places where I've seen the best deer have been on a small 33-acre patch. Okay. So the buck that I'm chasing is called 80, and the buck that I'm chasing right now that I've I got video of that I just seen you know two nights in a row, right at last light on the neighbor's property, Mister Nine. They're all hanging around the the same small 33 acre patch, hmm. and sometimes it's not always about like how much you have. Sometimes it's about finding the right area within whatever you have access to, and trying to make it happen. What do you think it is about that 33 acre patch that's uh, so appealing? Is it is it you know uh, more overgrown like bedding cover? Um, is it is it food? I mean, what, what what's what about the terrain there that makes it so appealing? Out of you know the 400 some acres or plus, you know yeah. what I mean that, that 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 they could. I mean, what what do you think is in there? I know 33 acres is kind of big, but I mean, does anything like point to uh, you know why why these big mature bucks? think that this is the place to be well for one there's 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 not a lot of hunting pressure there on that specific piece of 33 acres although it's it's surrounded by rifle hunters but at the end of the day it's a 33 acre piece of hardwoods where it's so thick in there that you can't see 10 yards sometimes until it gets to about where it is right now where the leaves are all starting to fall off then you can probably see maybe 20 yards if you're lucky Okay. And there's a little creek that runs through and there's agricultural stuff, you know, another big farm directly down the road to the right of it, big field directly to the north of it, big patch of timber where the majority chunk of my lease is, is on the other side of the road. And it's like, you know, it has everything they need, food, protection, cover, and little to no pressure. And other than other than me, I'm the only person that I know in that area is bow hunting them. Mm, but I okay. have to play it smart 
to not bump these deer off of the 33 acres because it's so small to the point where if I bump them off, they're onto the neighbor's property. Then you got to try to relocate them again. Then you got to try to hope that, you know, the closer and closer it gets to rifle season, the less pressure you want to try to put on there or, or put in there so that way you're not bumping them off of the property right at rifle season or during rifle season for them to potentially get shot and killed by a neighbor. Yeah, I th- th- that's an important point, you know, and what you're saying is, I'm not putting words in your mouth, so correct me if I'm wrong, but um, th- these deer obviously like that 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 little chunk of land for, for a reason. And if you bump them off that, that let's say, you know, e- even smaller than 33, but let's just say the 33, right? I mean, obviously they're within that area, but yep. you bump them off there, you're not bumping them off to the next hundred acres you might bump them off to the next half mile mile because obviously in the chunk that you hunt there they with all that you know habitat or whatever that they have access to they they, they like that core for you know for it's, it sounds like it's it's, it's credible bedding and safe safety security that kind of thing they may not find that kind of um they may not replicate what they had there for another mile or two you know what I mean? So you're not just bumping them a little bit. You could bump them a lot bit, especially like a mature animal like that. You know what I mean? Well, so I, I, yeah. I totally get it. And then the thing is, too, I think because uh, I was patterning 80 pretty good. You know, I, I had him going pretty good this off season. I had where I believed he was betting at down to a pretty good radius. And. I was hanging cameras around most of the main trails where I believed he was betting, but I started finding consistency with him heading north on the 33 acres, going off to one of the creeks before he would make his way onto the neighbor's property. So then uh, the chaos starts happening. So somebody starts renovating a barn to the right of the 33 acres, and to the left of that on the 10 acres, someone started building a house. (laughs) So I went from getting maybe three pictures of him a week, sometimes four, depending on between the the, the few cameras I had out running to him down to like nothing. Uh. And I did not even have to wonder or guess on why, because I I knew because at one point when I was running trail cameras, I had no clue that that's what they were doing until I got an opening weekend to hunt. And there was just nothing but straight noise on all sides of me. And I was like, what in the holy hell is going on? And I just sent a text to the landowner, you know, across from me. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're just renovating the barn. And <laughs> I talked to the other name, like, well, yeah, we're building a house there. I was like, oh, okay. So <laughs> you couldn't have done it in June? <laughs> well, well, the thing is, too, it's just like, um, I've watched my trail camera numbers in that, that area just go down from over, you know, in a week, I'm over 200 plus pictures down to less than 50 to 60. Yeah. So I've watched the numbers decline. And then, you know, I talk about this stuff on social media cause I'm, I'm you know, I, I keep it a hundred as, as I like to say. So I like to show people the things that other professional hunters or other hunters don't like to show. Like, mm-hmm. I like to show them the fact that the neighbor is driving around and is tracking with the last 15 minutes of legal life. Yeah. I like to show them the fact that I'm trying to shoot a doe and I have some drunk neighbor who's harassing me by breaking branches and, and kicking leaves. And I have to interview, <laughs> I have to record him on my telephone. So what? Like, 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, What's up with that? Well, it's just it's just one of those things where yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like you have people who don't understand or who or who who they truly believe that if you have private land, it means you have no issues. Mm. It's like everything is supposed to be peaches and cream because it's private land. So you can control the amount of pressure you get. You can control the amount of noise that happens. You're supposed to control what time the deer eat, drink, pee, sleep. You're supposed to be able to control all that, and you can't. Mm-hmm. It's like, and you know, and there's times where I may even be wanting to go out and hunt, and my landowner sends me a text like, "Hey, we're gonna be going, going, you know, uh, grouse hunting on this section of the lease today." Okay, and that's the section that that you want to hunt. So now you just waited four days in a row. You know, you worked four days in a row. Got the kids taken care of. And now you're trying to go out and hunt and you can't. Or you can hunt, but your landowner is telling you that, you know, that we're going out go grouse hunting that day. Yeah. Then it's like, oh, so then you got to, you know, backtrack, see where else you can try to go. So there's always sorts of issues and stuff like that that can happen and that go on. And not just with me. You probably experience some of these things sometimes too, but it's like, it's not always peaches and cream, and um, this year has been has been quite the same. You know, I ended up tolling my truck in early July, and that was probably the biggest punch to the gut I've ever had any off season in my entire life for hunting purposes. Hmm. What happened there? Oh man. Um, I was coming off of 35. Some kid decided to to stop on his brakes, and he didn't decelerate for a little bit. Like, he just completely stopped on his brakes. As we're getting onto the freeway, running 55, almost 60 miles an hour, and I'm less than two car lengths away, so I just slid into the back on total my truck. Oh. That's it. Oh, jeez. So, um, that sucked, and it this basically put a hole in all of my plans I had. My summer scouting was basically nothing other than me being able to walk from my to walk from my house up to the thirty three acres and it'd be like a, a nine mile trip round trip. Oh jeez. So I, I I had fun, you know, throwing the cameras and stuff in my backpack and, and walking all the way up to just to check trail cameras and to move a few around here and there and I also feel like it's a good thing as well because I realized how much I had relied on scouting during the off season rather than doing in season scouting like I am right now. Yeah. And finding better deer. So it's it's making me evolve as a hunter by making me adapt to what I'm seeing right now in both places. Just like in public land over in Wisconsin and I was hunting in an area where I feel like the wolves that kinda came in a little bit. I had a few other people that hunted the same areas I'd hunted. Say, yeah, the wolves that came in here, the wolves came in there, and I get in there. I pull my camera, pull my cards, I go find a different spot. And that first day I go in and check and pull cards, I got a nice buck over the ridge, 48 yards. Hmm. Like, if I'd have been on one of those things where in years past, I'll just wait for the wolf, I'll wait for the wolves to move out of the area and for the deer to come back. So I'll just, you know, I'll I'll tough it out rather than realize that I could pull up Onyx Hunt. Find a, find a spot on the map that, that looks like it's good, go into it, scout it out for a few days, see what my trail camera has to offer, decide whether to hunt it or not. 
and that's what I've been doing. And it's, and so far it's been working, you know, and, uh, I've been finding better and better deer and things are heating up on the lease. And, uh, I can't complain too much with how the hunt has been the past 48 hours for me. So, yeah, I mean, there you go with the, um, with the, with the adaptation thing again, right. Or adapting to, you know, just whatever, you know, comes down the path, I guess, you know, just, you just got to, just got to adapt. All right. So you, you're, let, let's get to the, to, to the nitty gritty of what's going on like right now. Right. Or, or recently. So you've got these two deer. Why, why do you call one of them 80, by the way? What's, what's the 80 for? I gave him the nickname 80 because back in 2019, <laughs> okay, this might sound really selfish, but there's a perfectly good excuse on why I did what I did. Okay. Uh, I left after my daughter was born at the hospital here at Mercy in Moose Lake. I picked up a coveted, you know, Zone 51 Minnesota resident surplus bear tag. The first animal I seen when I started bear baiting was this eight point buck. At eight o'clock. Ah. So I'm like, I'm just gonna call him eighty. He's an eight point buck here at eight o'clock. It just it just it makes sense. I don't try to, you know, overthink it. I don't mm-hmm. overthink it. Just eighty. And that Joker showed up pretty consistently into the bear bait and to other different sections of uh the analogics, minerals, and attractions that I was using that summer. And it just stuck with him. Then I ended up losing him for about a week to two weeks. His numbers started dropping down to the other cameras and stuff like that. Because once the bear started honing in on the bait, like I started seeing less and less of him. Then he ended up showing up again, you know, November 2nd, October 15th, and a few other times throughout the year where I was hunting, but I made the mistake of not being patient and trusting the work that I put in and, I'm literally a couple hundred yards away and he's showing up, you know, hitting the trail camera. And it happened a couple of times and that's just how it went, you know, with him. And uh, Mr. Nine, I guess, he just showed up late August, got a handful of pictures of him and he was gone. And that was it. And now apparently, you know, (laughs) when it comes to me, as of yesterday, he's back. Well, how old are these deer? Um, would you would you would you think? I know for a fact I have at least two years worth of what? No, three. No, I want to say, well, I got two years worth of history on camera with both eighty and Mister Nine. But by looking at both of those deer, there's no way in hell that they're two years old. Yeah, so, no, they look older than. I'd probably say, at the, I'd probably say at the max they can't be more than four. Right. If that three, three and three at the youngest, I'd say. But there's just, and I'd say if I had to pick between the two, which one was older, I'd probably say eighty is older than Mister Nine. You can just see it all over his face, and and then some of the trail camera pictures that I have of him. 
compared to Mr. Nine, but Mr. Nine is is a buck too that I actually I seen him on the hook this year twice. So I've gotten to actually look at him and see how much he's grown compared to 2019. And he's just a tank. I mean, you've seen the video of him, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's a he's a good buck. I don't think there's a hunter in the county that would would pass him up or pass up either one of those bucks. But and these are the two that are betting together in that same 33, not together, but in that same 33 um, acre lease you got, right? I mean, they're like, yep. do they uh, have you seen them? Um, well, I, I guess I don't know your terrain or whatever, but I mean, have you seen them share the same patch of ground? Have you seen them in the same fields? Like, you know, because uh, um, uh, it sounds like these are pretty, like, you know, pr- pr- pretty, pretty boss, you know, bucks, right? And they typically are not going to want to be around each other. And, and so and that's and that's what kind of has me thinking another thing too. Is Mr. Nine back because he pushed 80 out of the area? Like, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure that out because I think it, it could play to my benefit when it comes down to the rut, having two dominant bucks in the same area like that. Because you said you had pictures of him, but then you you didn't have pictures of him and you thought he might have just been one of these bucks that are passing through, correct? But then you yeah. just had an encounter with him the other night. Yeah. And let me tell you, I was watching your Insta story and you were pretty damn excited. That was that was that was fun to watch. You know, because well, I mean you were just, just giddy. Those, it was just one of those things where it's like, you know, I had just started scouting that thirty three acres. Being year two on my lease, because year one on my lease, I went in pretty hard after the buck that I called the Deer Cast 9, and I got him on November 5th. So I had, you know, 450-acre lease, and I only had, like, four trail cameras. Like, that's nowhere near enough for what you need on 450 acres. And two of those trail cameras I had out on public land in Wisconsin, and two I had in Minnesota. So it's like... I couldn't see all of where I needed to see or, or have enough cameras in places where I needed them to be. So I didn't even get to touch the 33 acres or the 150 that's directly behind that. I stayed up uh, one of the main places on the lease, uh, at one of the cabins and whatnot. But I haven't got any pictures of them bachelor up together. I haven't seen them feeding in velvet in the summer on any of the neighboring fields at all. It's like I got that handful of pictures of, of Mr. Nine, and that was it. But I got pictures of, of 80 all summer. I got to watch his grow process from start to finish in 2019, from start to finish again in 2020. And for sure, I know he's a dominant buck in the area. And now I'm starting to see less pictures of him. And Mr. Nine is now popping back up. He's now running off into the neighbor's field next to me and i'm able to get video of him so it's like i'm i'm not sure how it's happening or, or what's going on right now and i don't know maybe due to the construction of the noise 80 could have you know took his ball and went home he could have gotten shot by another hunter could have gotten hit by a car i'm not sure i just yeah. know <laughs> i just know that another damn good buck that i had pictures of last year just showed up and he's showing up during daylight hours. And he's yeah. done it the past two days in a row. So only problem with that is he's on the neighbor's property. So um, I'll have to try to concoct a scheme to try to get permission <laughs> to go hunt the field. But I'm not too sure. It's just it's the past 48 hours for me have been just complete deer madness. You know, going into just, you know, quote, unquote, 
pull a trail camera card. It ended up resulting in me doing a spot and stalk and going from 48 yards down to 16. Then getting all the way back to Minnesota to get done shooting my bow to drive past one of the neighboring fields and just see this complete moose standing out there. I'm like, there's only one buck that I think that that buck could be. And I pull up the bush nails and I look. And I'm like, no, that's not 80. And I focus in a little bit better. I'm like, no, that's Mr. Nine. He just put on a, a bunch of mass and he's gotten taller. I thought, you know, I might have just gotten lucky. He might have just been pushing around the does in the field like he was doing and was chasing tail. And I get back out of there again tonight, except I got out of there, you know, maybe 15 minutes earlier due to the coyotes and stuff coming back through again. And I look and I say, okay, that's him again. So I pull out my camcorder and I record, you know, behind my pickup truck. And I'm thinking if I can go in after him, if I get permission, there's this little strip of brush that I believe that, you know, that he's using for cover. He could even very well be potentially bedding in there. Mm-hmm. It's very well a possibility he, he could be bedding in there because there's no trees that I can get up into. I so is, be- is he 100%? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but is he 100% on the neighbors or is he crossing into the neighbors? Like, do you have any chance of, of getting to, you know, like intercepting him on, I, on I, what I you have access to? I believe he's 100% on the neighbors. Okay. My thing is, I still think he's coming onto the property because sometimes they get they do get bumped and pushed off of the neighbor's property onto our property. Mm. And I've seen it happen before. I've seen it where the neighbor comes out to bale hay or, or to move around the cows and whatnot. And all of the deer get bumped onto our property and they, and they settle over there for like a day, maybe two days, and they make their way back. Right. But my thing is now, too, it's just uh, things are kind of out of whack. But I'm seeing the quality of deer that I need to see. Yeah. So I can't complain too much. I'm just hoping that maybe some of this pressure one day will help me harvest one of these bucks. Either it'd be 80 or it'd be Mr. Nine. You know, I, like at this point, I'd rather it be Mr. Nine because it's like I've seen him two days in a row. Like, how crazy would it be to get permission from the neighbors, go in, just picking up a stool? getting the real tree camel in, sitting on some brush, taking a 20, 30-yard shot, and knocking him down. Yeah. Because at this rate, he's shown up the past two nights in a row at the same time in the field in the same place two nights in a row at the same time. It's like, you know, that's hot. Like, that, that's not something that I have to think about. That's not something I have to guess about. I've, I've physically seen him the past two days in a row doing the same thing. And you got to wonder too, you know, cause it's like the middle of October, right? Yep. And everyone talks about October lull and I, and I, I, I don't believe in it, but I mean, there is a, you know, it's common knowledge now that the lull that people see is, is, is attributable to a, there's hunters in the, in the woods, but it sounds like this deer's not getting a lot of pressure, but also the change in, um, food habits and the fact that they, you know, they break up from bachelor groups and then they start, you know, basically wanting to be alone and start getting horny basically right so you got to wonder if he's like in now um still kind of transitioning from you know you know summer kind of uh, um, routines kind of thing and if he's you know done 
with all that change or if he's still gonna like like change his mind in the next like week or two or whatever and do something different and go somewhere else every day you know what i mean it's smack dab in the middle of october and you got to wonder if he's into his new pattern you know quote unquote pattern now or or not you know that adds to the chess game i guess that's that's part of the fun of this the the you know the nervousness of it but you know what what do you think of that uh, honestly i i it's kind of hard to say with him because I don't have a lot of history of him. You know, I've only gotten a handful of pictures of him. Right. But what I have noticed of him the past two nights that I've seen him, the first night that I've seen him, he was with seven does. It was eight deer in the field. He was with seven does and he was pushing them around. He didn't care that my truck was on the side of the road or any of that stuff. Okay. He was, he was pushing around the does. He's getting tonight, horned up at this. He's yeah. getting ready. Yep. Yeah. So tonight when I seen him, the group of does were off to the right by themselves feeding, and he was closer to the tree line feeding. And he, the beginning of the video, he looks back at my truck, and then you can just watch him go down and continue to work down, you know, into the field before he starts making his way off and over into the tree line. Mm -hmm. So he was by himself. So I guess you can say there's some pretty good signs of the pre-rut going on, but they're not fully there yet, obviously. I mean, it's just, it's not even... October 15th yet, but I guess we're already there in mid-October, so. The fireworks are going to start when uh, when 80 comes to town, too. All of a sudden, he's back, and then and then Mr. Nine's like, w what the hell? <laughs> you know? Well, well, the thing is with them, too, it's just like, you know, I, like, I don't, I don't know what's going on with him right now. I mean, you live and you hunt here in Minnesota, too. What a lot of people don't understand is when you bump a deer out of his area in big woods, like, it can take a while to, to find out where the heck they're at. Because if you physically don't see them while you're out hunting or get a trail camera picture of them to kind of give you a glimpse on where they might be at, you can go the rest of the season not seeing them again, not yeah. getting a picture of them again. Because it's just that easy. And, and some people think that you can bump deer off a property like this where the 33 acres is where I have majority of the pictures of them at. But also during the summer, the 150 acres just south of that is where I've gotten a bunch of his summertime pictures at, too. Right. So it's like in that big block of woods, where the heck could he go on that 150 acres that I can't so, find or that I can't so see? I'm sorry. So what's your what's your plan now? You've got, you know, you're it's I don't I don't think it's you're quite in desperation mode, you know, because yeah. like you said, it's only been like a couple a couple times now you've actually seen them, um, you know, kind of firsthand kind of thing. But you, you got to be worried about like, OK, do I, I, I need to make a move on this thing. ASAP because there's there's other hunters in the area. I'm sure if, you know, if, if he if he roams around, you know what I mean? Um you need to acquire permission. Like, what? What's your next step? I mean, are you going to try and get a hold of this this uh, landowner and 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 sweet talk him or what? Like, what's what's step one for you? Like tomorrow, let's say, or the next day. Well, actually, tomorrow, like I like I told myself, like I have to go talk to the landowner because I was going to do it today, but I kind of figured, you know what? Maybe that's just a one time thing. Now I've seen him do it twice. I'm like, okay, I got to go try to get permission to see if they'll allow me to to either hunt one night this week on the field or two nights this week because i have to go out of town for the uh, the 14th and the 15th and then i work on the 17th so i have tomorrow evening and the evening of the 16th to try to get it done so 
I'm hmm. not too desperate right now because I know rifle season is still a good ways away. And as far as I know, I'm the only person that archery hunts. Everybody else is a little bit up in age. And the guy that owns the 60 acres are out of towners and they only rifle hunt, but they're renovating their barn. So I don't have to worry about too much pressure coming from over there. Right. And then the guy next to us, you know, they're rifle hunters as well, but they're not generally out in the woods at all. So I'm not too worried about hunting pressure. My thing is right now is I don't want to kind of try to acclimate them on where I'm at. So I can't overhunt the areas and the main trails that I know that they're using to funnel out into the neighbor's field. Yeah. So I think what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to just try to get permission from the neighbor. And I've already been looking at it on, on Onyx, try to get set up somewhere in that field, in that tree line, throw on the real tree camo and hopefully have him come out chasing some of the does or either feeding close to the tree line like he was again and hopefully get, you know, 20, 30 yard shot. Like, I'd love to have 80, but I'm not dumb enough to pass up, you know, a buck like Mr. Nine because I want 80 so bad. Like, 80 isn't showing himself right now, and Mr. Nine has shown himself the past two days. The past two days. Oh, yeah, hell yeah, absolutely. <laughs> are you, um, uh, do, do you have uh, like presets on this thing, or like what, what's what's your style? I mean, uh, do you hunt on the ground? Do you are you up in a tree stand? Uh, are, you, are you running gun? How, how how are you working at? I like I like always having my sets pre-hung because I feel like it 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 takes away the need to come in and create more noise when you're trying to slip in and slip out than what you're already going to be doing. Yeah, that's up true. The area more yep. now than what you're already doing. So I already have my sets hung, but I know if I'm going to go after Mr. Nine, there's a few things that I can't use. I can't use my ground blind because for one, he wasn't born at night or last mm. night. So he's going to know the difference between a ground blind. that's in the middle of his field because <laughs> yeah. it wasn't there two nights ago. Right. That's not an option. The trees are too small for me to try to hang a set onto. And I can't saddle hunt because I I just I don't I don't do that. That's just not my style, and I don't have one. Even if I did, I don't I don't think I'd do it. So the only option that I think will be left for me right now is to harvest one the same way I harvested my buck back in 2016 in Barnum, getting off some real, pulling out a good old swivel seat, sitting in the brush, having a good enough trail for me to draw back and shoot. And hope for the best, except this time hit record on the cameras. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I love it. Um, so just just to kind of uh, we, we've talked about all this other stuff. But we, we can talk about your, your equipment a little bit, too. Now you're shooting. Um, was it the Hoyt RX three? Um, yep. I think it was. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, what just tell me a little bit about your uh, your setup there. So I got a 2019 custom Hoyt RX3 with uh, the 80-pound limbs on them. I got it maxed out at 80 pounds because I want to be like Cameron Haynes and uh, shoot Hoyt bows and pull back 80 pounds. But uh, the, If you kill this deer, are you going to hike it out shirtless on your back? Nah. I mean, to me, <laughs> that's, that's just... That, I don't know why some people do it, but I feel like that just at, like that's for some people who want to do the macho man stuff. You know what I mean? Like I'm not out in Arizona where it's like a hundred degrees where I need to take off my shirt when I'm packing out. It's like 
40 degrees right now in the Midwest. I'm going to catch hypothermia or something like uh, that. Trying to, yeah. <laughs> try, try to pack something out in 40 degree temps. But um, that's uh, that's my bow setup. I'm running two stabilizers on them. Um, fused carbon torch, 10 inch in the front, six, six inches in the back. Vapor Trail Gen 7, Hoyt specific drop away AeroS. Um, VTX Sprigs from Vapor Trail. HHA optimizer single pan sight. And I'm shooting uh Easton FMJ arrows. And uh, shoot my buzzy hundred grade broadheads. So so pretty pretty standard, you know, pretty standard setup as far as like your arrow setup goes and stuff. And yeah. Sounds like, you know, you're not gonna have any problem with with, with the eighty pound limbs, you know. So um yeah, no, I mean that, that that sounds pretty solid, man. I um you know, I I I haven't gotten into any deer yet. I I've I've had a few sits in. I had one come by, it was a doe, it was a younger doe that came by like outer range. I had my stick bow with me and it was it was moving a little too fast anyway, um, even if I had my compound. So, you yeah. know, but that's like the only encounter I've had, you know what I mean? I haven't been out much, but um yeah, it it so that's why I like I like kind of following, you know, other guys and, and you and stuff because you seem to be getting into the action like like quite a bit, you know what I mean? So I end up like living vicariously through um, you know, through through the chase, especially when you've got um you, you know, when when what you're doing, you know, when you're after like a particular animal now for me like i've never really you know i've never named a deer i've never done that i don't you know i'll, I'll shoot you know for me i'm like a brown it's down kind of guy right the does yep. bucks i don't i don't care you know i'm not an antler guy but to actually see in if um a story unfold you know you end up like rooting for you know for you you yeah. know what i mean uh, kind of thing so even though like like the chase and like like the big buck thing isn't like my thing, I'm still appreciating watching you because I mean I'm watching I'm seeing your passion for it, how excited you get for it, the plan you're formulating for it. So um, that's that's you know that that's been fun to watch, and I think you know I, I'm looking forward to the next few days. Now by the time this posts, you know this could be all over because it'll be you know it'll be it'll be a few weeks before this episode will post. We're yeah. recording this like October what 12th or whatever it is kind of thing. But yeah, um, sure. I'm yeah I'm still going to be watching you know I'm I'm still going to be watching uh, the the stuff that you put out. Um, is there uh, is is there anything else you want to talk about that we didn't that we didn't cover here tonight? We're kind of over over an hour here, so I kind of you know can kind of start wrapping this up. But anything else you want to touch on? Well, no, it's just like um, I feel like what you said is something I wish a lot of people in our sport would understand. You know, there's so many different styles of hunting. It's like I prefer to target the best animal that I have in my area that I'm hunting. You prefer to go out and to shoot, you know, whether it be a buck or whether it be a doe, because you're not picky. And you get so many people who they want to project their style of hunting upon you rather than realizing that, hey, this person is hunting. Yeah. I'm happy that they're hunting. And I feel like that that thing that common, you know, thing gets 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 so missed in the sport that we love to do so much. And I feel like 
we need more of that than what we we see right now in our industry or in our sport. I mean, we see so many guys like we were talking about, not like Cam in general, but like so many guys want to come out and they want to be the macho man hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't congratulate you when you shoot a deer. They ask you, you know, the first thing they ask you is like, you know, how many inches was it? Right. Or did you shoot him on public land or did you shoot him on private? Oh, I only shoot deer unless he's 170 inches. Oh, yeah, you know, I, I got to shoot a buck by this, you know, by October, by October 1st because, you know, uh, and they don't understand that, you know, hunting isn't just limited to one style, one specific time of year that you want to hunt. Like, as long as someone is out there ethically hunting and hunting for the right reasons, I'm going to support it. Yeah. Like, I don't care if you shoot a spike. I don't care if you shoot a 230-inch world record in in Iowa during the middle of the rut. Like, the fact that you get to go out there and you go hunt and you get to have fun, I'm going to always support that. I'm going to always support that when you're doing it the right way. And I just feel like that's just one thing that, you know, I feel a lot of hunters need to learn and need to understand that, you know, um, you're not competing with the next human being on who can kill the biggest buck, but it's like the animal that you're trying to hunt. You have to outsmart it, yet alone another individual who's not even going to be hunting the same ground as you or the same deer as you, who you'll probably never meet or see a day in your life. Like, just get out into the woods, go have fun, and, you know, go hunting, go fishing, do whatever you can do, and be appreciative of what you do harvest, what you do see, the land you do have access to, whether it be public or private, and the same thing with fishing, you know, if you, you don't have private ponds, if you can't go down and, and fish in Florida or California or Texas or up north, you know, to go ice fishing, like be happy with what you have access to and just enjoy the outdoors. Well, my friend, that's, uh, you probably, you said it way better than I could, I could say that. So I think that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good spot to wrap this up. I like, I like what you said there. Um, where can uh, where can people find you? Any 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 shout outs you want to put out or uh, any any social stuff you want to promote? Yeah, um, if if you guys you know uh, want to support me and all my hunting and keeping a real expeditions on the daily, I guess you can follow me on Instagram at D Jones Outdoors. And if you actually want to see me hunting for a full episode. Uh, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel at D Jones Outdoors, and that's that's about it for me. I don't I don't have anything else. That, Why am uh, I not subscribed to your YouTube media. channel? I'm gonna subscribe tonight. I I didn't even think to to look at that because yeah, because normally like you know if you follow somebody on Instagram, like it'll start popping up on your YouTube to follow. I didn't even think to do that. I'm gonna do that right now. Yeah. So I've been slacking on my whole YouTube thing because everybody's been enjoying my uh, my Instagram stories, but. I guess uh, I gotta eventually upload an episode, make some folks happy. There you go. All right, man. Um, why don't you stay on the line with me here? Um, I, I I really enjoy talking to you. That's uh, you know I, I I really like to get you know just different perspectives. Like most of the people I interview on this are um, just 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 because that's kind of been like mostly my mostly my interest. You know, last several years has been like traditional. You know, but I mean, I still have a compound. I'll still probably take it out every now and then. And yeah. um, you know, you notice that um, what we talked about up until like the last literally like five minutes of this was hunting. It had nothing to do with 
the weapon that you're carrying. You know what I mean? So that's kind of kind of piggy. Uh, I'm going to piggyback on 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 your on your awesome words there on, on your sunshine. So I apologize for that. But, um, you know, I, I think that's that's kind of what it's about. You know, it's about the, the the heart behind it rather than, you know, the, the weapon that you're carrying in your hand. So I think I think we kind of need more of that. So. All right. Um, so stay with me on the line here. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, please uh, like, share, and subscribe. That's really important. Leave a rating. That's that's double, double important. Um, go check out DJ on Instagram. Go check him out on YouTube. And uh, same with me. Um, go go uh, uh, Bow Hunting Soul YouTube channel, uh, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. So um, thanks for talking to me, and I appreciate it. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks.